On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Is it Fred Durst? Is it Fred at 50 years old? Is it still all about the nookie? Is that still what it's all about? This is Tall Can Audio. Guess who's back? Here's your host, Matt Robinson. Ah, nuts. I mean, um, ah, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. Woohoo! Beer, 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 bed, bed, bed. They say I'm cocky, and I say, what it ain't bragging, motherfucker, rip it back it up. They say I'm cocky, and I say, what it ain't bragging, motherfucker, rip it back it up. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of Tall Can Audio. As the good woman said, my name's Matt Robinson. Her name's Michaela Schreider. What's happening today? Well, I was in a good mood yeah. until that song. Yeah. I'm going to need to crack my beer a little early, Matt. You don't, you don't love the tune? I, that's just for you. I know. I figured, <laughs> the, the second I heard the opening notes, I went, oh, no. I shouldn't have posted that. Uh, take us through it. What happened? Where does well, this, this stem from? This is, okay, so I want to put it on record. I do not like Kid Rock. Mm-hmm. I don't like his music nor him as a person right. um, for various reasons. Uh, just to put it out there. My husband, Kid Rock, his music, Lee, music-wise, is yeah. like, I don't even, I'm not even going to say guilty pleasure. He just loves him. I think he should <laughs> feel guilty about it, but he doesn't. And for whatever reason, Cocky has always been like one of his favorite songs. He knows every word to it. And we were driving into the city on Friday night and he started blaring this song and, and singing along with and it. Giving her. He was a, he laid down a pretty good. Oh rap. Yeah, yeah. He loves it. Just to piss me off. Like, like for no other reason, just to get under my skin. So I, I posted a video saying, you know, I'm now taking divorce lawyer recommendations <laughs> and I still am. If anybody listening to this is, is a divorce I lawyer, hit me should up. Be. You, you're, you're awfully hard on this poor guy. Cause oh, then the music God. you posted later on in the evening, <laughs> Yeah, I got I, him with some O Town. Yeah, yeah. I think you don't have any real high uh, high ground to stand on here. Oh, gotta love the boy bands. Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Talk and Audio. Give us a follow there and uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're here. Now, Shride's nice to have you back in studio. Nice to be here. Uh, I don't want to make you wait too long because I made you wait already while I was setting up. So we'll get into the beers before we catch up a little bit. There Let's you go. do it. What do you got going on there? I went into the fridge, the, the mystical fridge of mystery. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Um, I grabbed, you know what? I saw it. this can stands out so much every time I see it. It's one of my favorite beers, the Zodiac from, I think it's Omnipolo. Yes. Their, their, their can, if you've ever seen it, it's the black can with all the alien stuff and the actual name of it's very hard to find. But this is one, it's an IPA. Uh, it's one of my favorite beers. Whenever I see it, I go for it. Okay. What do you got? So, I'm a little nervous about this, but it's early in the day, so I've got time to recover, or for things to go off the rails, I guess, depending on how you want to look at that. This is the Sparkle Puff Galaxy Galaxy Starfighter Defender of the Universe Triple IPA. Woo! 10.2%. Lord in heaven! Yeah. 
Uh, so it's a little early in the day, but I figure, you know, it'll give me time to, to level off. But it, it also does mean there's plenty of time for things to go off the rails. So we'll see what happens here. That's true. It could go one of two ways. But yeah. you're right. If, if you're going to do it, do it now. Yeah. And then no matter what happens, you have lots of time for it to play out. Well, see, I wasn't planning to have this one because initially there was some talk, you know, that we may and do something else yes. after the show. And I was like, you don't need to be kicking off the day with a 10% <laughs> beer. So I had something else in mind that was actually coming in at a, a 2.7%. And I was like, oh that, that's, that's all right. That would have been an okay way to start what might be a long day of with a few pints to it. But once I figured that, you know, this is going to be it for the day, screw it. 10% off we go. Right? Why not? So what was the 2% beer, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, that is the uh, Nutmeg Stout from 762 in Maydoc. Oh, okay. So, um which I believe actually you pointed out to me, the uh, that brewery. I think I, I think did, yeah. Was. I think we brought you back some beer or I drank it on the podcast or something. Yeah, we checked it out on our way home from Toronto one time. Great yeah. brewery. So uh, we've stopped there a couple times now. It's on the way back and forth between the cottage. So uh, we've been there, usually recommend their stuff pretty easily. It's uh, it's pretty nice. What's new? What have you been up to? Oh my God, yeah. It's, been, it's actually been so long since I've even been on the podcast now mm. that I'm thinking about it. I think you have my co-host uh, Vanessa on sure more did. recently than fun. I have. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, Michael Bolton fan or so. Oh yes, the Michael Bolton story. It's I one should, of my favorite uh, stories. You know, thank you to my source for for providing me the uh, the information I needed to ask her about that. Well, I can neither confirm nor deny. No, of course, um, who the, the your, source, your source may have been right. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it's it's you know I've been plugging away, working. The show's go. She's got games still still rolling. Um, we had the goat on a few weeks ago, Christine St. Clair, mm-hmm. and yeah, so it's been you know summer's here. So I'm just trying to trying to relax a little bit. We got a busy summer of so a little some trips here and there, and my best friend's getting married, so I've got lots of wedding um, oh, nice. festivities on the way. Yeah. So just kind of trying to take it as easy as we can before we get back into a summer of doing things yes. again, which is feels weird, but it's very nice. Well, and we've got, uh, we'll talk about the Red Blacks here in a bit, but I know you're a season ticket holder, mm-hmm. so the uh, season opener, or home opener coming up, uh, you excited? I'm very excited. Yeah. I, you know, we, we went to the games last season. And it was it was nice. It was nice to be in our seats. Obviously, you had to wear masks the whole time, and and that's fine. Um, but it didn't feel like it was a shortened season. It started late. There were, you know, we were all still getting used to being in crowds again. And yes. I know some people still aren't 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 sure. comfortable with that, and that's fine. Um, but it just didn't feel like like this is uh, heading into this season. I feel like we're looking forward to a lot more normalcy. Right. And I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. You know, it's a full season. It's starting in June like we're used to. Um, and they may actually be good this year. Yes. And I'm very much looking forward to that because, listen, I love the Red Blacks. I've been a season ticket holder since day one, and I will be a season h- ticket holder for as long as I can be. Mm-hmm. It was borderline unwatchable. Yeah, it was terrible football. Oh, it was bad. And, like... There were a few games where it rained, and I remember sitting there, and I, I sit on the functionally obsolete north side stands, <laughs> and thankfully we were covered, but you know, sometimes if the rain, we're right at the edge, so if the rain comes in on an angle, it's hitting us. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there in the rain one day, and it was cold, and they were losing, and like we were watching two teams punt back and forth, basically, <laughs> because neither had much going in the way of offense, and I was sitting there going... Is this worth it? What am I doing with what my life? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> I have chosen to be here. And I, I ask myself that a lot as a sports fan. Right. But I'm looking forward to hopefully not – because, you know, I, I've I've said on the Mouchoir podcast, I think they are going to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not saying they're going to, you know, be number one in the East, but I think they will make the playoffs however that looks. I think no matter what, we're going to have an ex- – we already saw in game one, you know, Jeremiah Mazzoli has got an arm. Yep. Um, we're going to see more of the long ball. Like, even if they're not winning every game, 
we're at least going to see some production on offense, mm-hmm. which is what you go. You go there to see touchdowns. You go there to see well, first point the CFL, right? Especially like, the CFL. Yeah, like that's what it's supposed to be bringing you. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm just looking forward to to watching some hopefully really good football this year. Uh, you referenced the Mouchoir podcast. Before we go exactly. any further, tell people who may be new around here. We do have a couple new listeners. I can say that for sure. We'll, uh, we'll get into that in a second. Tell people about the Mouchoir podcast, where they can find it. Yeah. So you can find the Mouchoir podcast wherever you get your podcast. Myself and Janine Rashad. Uh, we just started this podcast because we both love the CFL. Janin used to be part of the Bleed Red Blacks podcast. Hmm. Um, and uh, back when I had, that's what she said on TSN 1200, um, she would be kind of my resident Red Black expert when I wanted someone to come on the show. Sure. So we got connected that way. And we've we've been, run, this is season five yeah. now of wow. Mouchoir. And uh, yeah, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Mouchoir Podcast. Um, yeah, we just have a lot of fun. We talk about the Red Blacks. It's been two, the last two seasons have been tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we said in that we did our first episode last week. You can check that out. And, you know, we kind of did a little bit of a season preview and we are both very, very excited for what the season could bring. Uh, a little more CFL in a little while. We'll get into that. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to mention that, uh, John Rodenberg was here earlier in the week. That was episode 977. And, uh, as I mentioned, I know we've picked up. Some new listeners, as uh, we made a little news last week, as uh, a lot of people talking about that. We're not going to get into it too deep here, as I know, uh, Shrides, uh, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot with uh, any talk about what happens down at TSN 1200, but uh, uh, we asked JR about all kinds of things, but uh, if you haven't heard it, we also asked him about why TSN 1200 very noticeably chose not to discuss the uh, the Ian Mendez piece in The Athletic um, about Eugene Melnick's tenure as owner of the Ottawa Senators. That got a lot of play. It picked up a ton of traction. Um, yeah, it set a record for, for first day downloads on any individual episode for Tall Can Audio. So uh, that's making its way around. That was episode 977. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, you might want to go ahead and do that. Uh, but back here today, Shrides, do you recognize this voice? Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking Mark! Fire me! Fire me! I assume this is right in your wheelhouse, Shrides. Do is you know CM that? Punk? It is not CM Punk, oh, okay. but you're in the right neighborhood. <laughs> that is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF of uh, All Elite Wrestling. And uh, I'm not going to make you talk wrestling, but I do want to let the good listener <laughs> know that uh, our buddy Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet is going to be back on the show later on in the week. And we will ask him to talk wrestling as uh, it's been a little while. Um, that clip comes from an episode of AEW's Dynamite from about 10 days ago that has made a pile of news. Uh, not usually great to be dropping F-bombs on cable television in the United <laughs> States, but uh, it's part of the angle. They're working. Um, what I can say about that before we get to Kevin Mickey, I don't think they told everybody that particular speech was coming because he that was the only F-bomb, but he said shit an awful lot. And what I understand is that that's okay on TBS in the United States. It is not okay on TSN in Canada, who broadcast it up here, and nobody warned TSN, and basically the whole thing went out uh, over the air. Uh, I think there's some tension there, but we'll get into all of that with Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet later on in the week. He's our wrestling guy. It is also King of the Ring season, which back in the day was one of the most fun events of the year from uh, for a wrestling fan. So we'll talk to Kevin Mickey later on in the week about that, I'm sure. You won't miss it, Michaela. Absolutely not. I will be glued to my podcast device, Matt. Back to the line. Fortino, no shot. Johnston back to Fortino. Fortino, rolling puck. 
Oh my God, that is a thing of beauty. Yes. Um, you uh, you referenced the goat a few minutes ago. There there are many goats. Many goats. Depending on uh, on the sport. This week, the Montreal, I guess it, was it this week or last week now? But uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens hired one of the goats to be part of their uh, their player development program. I believe the title they've got her right now is consultant uh, because I'm pretty sure she plans to continue playing. So, you know, can't be... Uh, can't be giving up all of her time. Uh, but the Habs have put her in a, in a position to kind of start to work with a lot of their young players. It sounded like in the press conference that she will be doing, um, you know, a lot of prospect work to start. But what did you make of the hiring? I loved it. Um, from what I understand, apparently, and I, I only know this because they talked about it on the Steve Dangle podcast, but apparently they have been trying to make something work with Marie-Philippe Poulin on the Montreal Canadiens for, for some time now. Mm-hmm. Which says a lot when, I hate to admit it, but the most storied franchise in the NHL is is seeking you out this aggressively and is is trying this hard to make something work it says a lot about you know your your abilities and 100% yeah. no one no one can deny she is the greatest female hockey player of all time one of the greatest hockey players of all time and before she's even done playing they're like she's we'll 31 take, yeah we'll, like that's wild we'll take your split attention like yeah. we know you we can't be your top priority but we'll take whatever we can get from you right now exactly and that's so impressive cuz yeah she's she's committed to the next olympics i think we're going to get at least two more olympics out of her cuz she's she's 31 she looks like she has absolutely no signs of slowing down and as a 33 year old woman I find that very impressive. Um, <laughs> and but, irritating. And very irritating. Uh, but, you know, assuming she, you know, she's probably got close to 10 years left of, of high level hockey in her. To, yeah. if, if she wants to. And the, and the yeah. way that athletes are taking care of themselves these days, I think that playing into your late 30s and early 40s is, is, almost become the norm now mm-hmm. it's it was the exception and now we're seeing more of it so assume she's got five to ten years of great hockey left in her you know she's going to be doing this as a side hustle which is you know when your side hustle <laughs> is working is the montreal freaking canadians <laughs> and you're you know she's a french canadian woman she's from quebec mm-hmm. this is this is you know quite an honor for for someone who I would say it's an honor for her. I also think it's an honor for them just Probably, to have yeah. her there. Yeah. But she's already accomplished so much in her career. And now, you know, a, I hate to, to put myself in this world, but, you know, when the time comes, she's not playing hockey anymore. Assume she can, you know, this is going to become her full-time gig. And like we, we've slowly seen more and more NHL teams bring on, you know, Megan Duggan is with the, the New Jersey Devils right now. Emily Castongay is with the Vancouver Canucks. Cammie Granado, uh, Cammie Granado. Uh, was in Seattle, now Vancouver. Now Vancouver. Haley Wickenheiser. In, actually, there's a couple in Toronto um, that uh, have come on underneath Haley Wickenheiser. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is. It's important. We yes. we need more diversity in the NHL. God, we need more diversity in many ways in the NHL. Um, and this is an important step. I mean, it's 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 wild to me that we're looking at like the greatest hockey player of all time getting hired as like a step in the right direction. Because like, no duh, you should hire her, right? No like, duh. We don't get a lot of no duh anymore. No duh. Days, right. I'm a child of the nineties. Uh, clearly, yes. So I, I was super excited. I hope we see more of it. Um, it's listen as a Sens fan, it was definitely hard because, like you said, Haley Wickenheiser is with the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs, and now Marie Philippe Poulin is with the Montreal Canadiens, and I'm just sitting here like Jesus, take the wheel. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do 
anymore. It's it it hurts my heart, but I'm very very happy that they, they made it a fantastic decision, and I think it's great for for the team. I think it's great for the league, and uh, let's let's see more of it. Well, on Saturday night, Elliot Friedman reported that uh, the Sens are looking to start to flush out their their staff a little more. Right? It had mm-hmm. obviously been cut and cut and cut <laughs> repeatedly, um, and so one of the Sens blogs on Twitter put out like, who would who do you want to see hire? Just to anyone on Twitter, like, uh, who, what do you think? And there was a pile of people saying Cheryl Pounder, who has obviously become very well known um, by doing a ton of the Sens TV broadcasts. And uh, she also did a great job on the Olympics. I don't know. She's been on the show before. I'm sure she's been on your show before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what her interest level is in doing that. I know she coaches her kids hockey, um, and but she does seem to have invested a, a pile of time um, into the broadcast side of things, whether or not she'd want to move into working for a team, who knows. But that is one name that Sens fans seem to be, you know, if we could get somebody here in our market to yeah, get us nice. on the map. It is flushing out, though, across the league. Like you said, you're seeing more uh, more and more of it. But the, I think the thing that stands out to me, this one, as we've mentioned already, most of the other women that have been hired are retired, like they're mm-hmm. former players, to, I don't blame the Habs for trying to get a jump on, on Poulain, but it is certainly unique that she's still an active player. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about this. It's an unfortunate reality of women's sports where the players usually need to have side hustles. Now, Marie Philippe is not someone who needs to have a side hustle. She's got enough sponsorship, despite the fact that there's technically no league um, for her to play in. She is with the PWHPA to try and make, you know, develop a league that, yep. that pays players Seems fairly. To be right there on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. We're getting closer, hopefully. Yep. Um, you know, but she's she is the face of, of her sport. So she does, she's not one of those players who would need a side hustle. She has enough sponsorships to, to keep herself going, but right. it's not, it's not unfamiliar. We, we see this all the time. And um, it's, again, it's funny to call this gig a side hustle, but it's, it's, I think she, and I'm, I'm putting myself in her head. So I don't actually know that she thinks this, but I would assume she kind of sees this as, uh, foot in the door for retirement plan after yeah. hockey, right? What like, going to do next? Exactly. Hockey players, you know, they retire by the age of forty, and then you still got plenty of working years left in you. Yes. And you want to do something with your with your life, and and this is quite a great uh, uh, way to spend retirement, if you ask me. But sure. I, I and it's it's a chance for her to develop this side of of her skill set, right? Like I'm, and, and I know nothing about her abilities to scout players, but I imagine, you know, being in the game for as long as she has been, uh, probably a pretty strong, uh, skill set she's already got, but now she's got more chance to develop it. Right. Cause you know, you can have an eye for talent, but putting that into practice in an NHL setting takes time and mm-hmm. takes experience. And now she's got that ability to start getting that experience. I think that's great. Do you think, and, not to, it's an interesting point you've just brought up that, you know, we don't know yet what her skill set necessarily is other than winning Olympic gold medals with extremely clutch goals. We know that she has that in her <laughs> she arsenal. definitely has that going for her. Yeah. Um, I think there's maybe a part of this that allows the Habs to feel her out a bit too, right? What's her strength? Is it scouting? Is it working on the ice, you know, yep. in, in development, these sorts of things. With that in mind, are you a little surprised? I, I will be honest, I was that, like, I might have had her showing up at my training camps and working with some of my pros and my minor league guys as opposed to my prospects just because we don't like obviously she's going to be a good role model but we don't know yet you know do you want to tinker with your guys who aren't established yet you know what I mean like you're the guys who are young and you're still trying to teach do you want maybe a more experienced teacher and her skills maybe would be better applied until we know what she can do um you know with 
with people that we already know have made it and are more looking for that extra little edge as opposed to developing? Yeah, that's that's a fair question. I, w- I would assume that she's she's not doing this alone. Like she's no, working with a team, and right. and I imagine that she's going to be kind of in a position to learn. Like and and again, like I don't really know the amount of experience. She she may have way more experience in this than I know, and, sure. and we just haven't been. You know, she she runs hockey camps. Uh, she's worked with Carolyn Willett for many years. They have a hockey camp that they run in in Quebec and. Mm. Uh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal talked about the fact that like they're getting a brilliant hockey mind. So there right. could be this side of Marie-Philippe Poulin that we just haven't seen sure. in that like she she she's incredible at working with young players and maybe she has this experience already and we don't know it because we just haven't, you know, there's been no reporting on, on what she's no. doing in that department, you know, to it. To we a don't really extent. follow women's sports outside of every four years or women's hockey anyway. Unfortunately, yeah. that's the reality, We don't know right? what she and does for the three years in between. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I think that, I, I think we're probably, there's way more to her skill set than we know at this point. Yeah. And I think they're, they're probably going to be having her work with people who have been in this field for a while, who no have doubt, been doing yeah. you know this this job for a while, and she's going to learn from them. So you know, it's not as if she's on her own. And 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 either way, I think like you're either working with players who were drafted already and put into the system, or and, and are moving further along in that path, or players who have yet to be drafted are about to be drafted, mm-hmm. were just drafted, and like you know they're really fresh in their kind of development. And either way. You put Marie Philip Poulin in front yeah. of any of them, and like that's you know that you're in awe a little bit, right? You're gonna oh, listen yeah. to whatever she has to say. Uh, so I think I think either way, this is a great position for her to be in. I I think like you said, they'll feel her out, find what her skill set is, and build on that. That's that's what any good organization should do. And the Habs too. And the Habs too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so yeah, I, th- I think I'm really excited to see where she goes with this. He's got it. Took a fastball right back up the middle. Congratulations to Gabriel Moreno. His first major league base hit. Gabriel Moreno, called up uh, by the Blue Jays this weekend, uh, makes his MLB debut on Saturday. And as the Jays try to mount a bit of a mini comeback there in the ninth inning that falls short, he does get his first base hit. Um, There was a play earlier on in the game where he grounded out to short and by all account, he did not look like a catcher running to first base. He had some speed, uh, well above average, which is kind of interesting. Beyond that, quiet day at the plate. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that the Jays have made this move now. Obviously, Danny Jansen hurt again. Um, and it looks like they're going to let Moreno catch. He's not going to be, uh, you know, just kind of dropped in occasionally here and there. They're going to let him run with this a little bit. And, and by all accounts, use Kirk more as a, as a DH. But, Typically, Shrides, when you bring up a, a star player like this, as often as not, your team kind of stinks. That's why you have this great prospect, and you're kind of sliding them in there as much as anything else to sell tickets or drum up interest. Uh, the Jays have been pretty hot lately, and the fact that you can kind of drop him in here with this lineup, I got to think, would drastically reduce the pressure on him. Uh, what do you think of the timing of, uh, of calling this guy up and how he kind of fits in right now? Yeah, I think that's a good point that like they they've been hot. There was a little period of time there where I think un unjustified, but I was doing it too. We were all freaking out about the Jays. <laughs> they were they were first in the AL East. They had the best uh, start they've ever had, or I, th- I think it was either they've ever had or they've had in twenty years yeah, or one something of their, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were like, yeah, but they're only winning by one run. What are we going to do? And yeah. it's like 
calm down. Yeah. We're going to be okay. They're still there. Even right now, they're behind the just juggernaut of the Yankees. Yeah, I did and, not see that coming. Oh my God. I knew the Yankees would be good. I did not think they'd be 43 and 16 good or whatever the Unbelievable. hell they are. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Typical and too. Typical, yeah. of yeah. course. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've... I think that they've finally come out of that. I'll call it a slump. I don't think it was a slump, but I think we were all viewing it as that. Yeah, compared to our expectations, exactly. it was a slump, right? Like unreasonable expectations. But. And I think they've they've built some momentum. They've kind of got at least enough that like, I don't want to say like they're, they're like not plateauing, but they're just moving along steady, mm-hmm. right? Like they're they're playing well. Again, they're, they're 34 and 24. They've got a, a solid record, second in the AL East. There's not a lot right now to criticize on either end, right? It's not right. like they're on this super hot streak. Nope. And we're going to be like, what the hell are you doing messing with, with the, the vibes of sure. the dressing room right now or, or the, the bullpen or sorry, the, the dugout. Um, they're also not flopping nope. and in this massive slump. So, yeah, it's, and it's, it's midseason. The NHL playoffs are about to wrap up. I think we're about to hit that time of the year where everyone starts paying attention to baseball and it's at the same time the most boring part of the year because you're right in the middle of it, right? So I think that I think the timing works in their favor, and and I say that as someone who I'm fully guilty of the fact that like the last couple of weeks I haven't been paying as close attention to the Jays as I was, you know, maybe in the first couple of weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. The NHL playoffs tend to take my my attention away at this point, and the the WNBA and the NWSL are, are well underway. So I say that as someone who is very guilty of not giving the Jays the attention they deserve right now, but. You know, even with with keeping my eye on them, I think they're they're in a really great spot. You can never control what the Yankees are going to do, unfortunately. No, but I I think they're they're right where I think anyone would expect them to be. I, I, even when they were struggling, I, I remember hearing. I think it was the Athletics uh, Blue Jays podcast. They were talking about the fact that people are expecting them to play like they did in the back half of the 2015 right. season, where they were just on fire because they were sustainably hot yes (laughs) they were trash to start the season and they had to build themselves out of that hole and they're not going to win by you know seven or eight runs a game but but they were even at that point just even last year right like even last year the bullpen was struggling you were losing games you shouldn't when the jays came home on august long weekend for the first time like they'd been in buffalo they'd been in dunedin and they come home they set a crazy pace again to just about get in there, right? It came right down to the last day and they fell short. And so, you know, casual baseball fans or, or people like, I think there's a certain amount of, wow, like people who catch the wave and mm-hmm. then expect it to feel like that all the time. Exactly. But it's a six month everyday grind. And yeah, it, these games matter in April and May too, but it doesn't feel quite as exciting. And so, yeah, when you drop one to Kansas City on a sad, you know Saturday afternoon or something I'm like fuck come on right yeah. like it and it feels like a bigger deal maybe than it is it's just such a long season and so yeah I, I think the timing of getting Moreno in here now and you know just saying look you're gonna bat eighth we don't need you to be uh, the miracle here or the savior here things are going pretty well um you know, one of the things that they've talked about when he called up was that there's been a little bit of a lack of power, but he was still batting over 300 in AAA and just kind of spraying it all over the place with base hits. And, you know, with the way Kirk has hit and the power that Jansen has brought when he's been healthy, they don't need him, you know, to, you know, come in and, and really be a guy who carries the offense or or to even have a ton of power. This is a good opportunity for him to get in there and and get some reps with a couple of their more experienced guys. Uh, pitchers, I mean, and, and, and we'll go from there. The question will be, typically when you call up 
a guy of this prominence, and he is the number four prospect in baseball. So all across the league, they know who this guy is, and he's supposed to be good. This isn't a a league where you yo-yo those guys, right? When you come up, you typically come up and stay up. Mm -hmm. And right now, with Jansen out, that's an easy thing to happen, but I, I don't think, you know, they're not expecting this injury for Jansen to be too long. And are you prepared, especially if he looks comfortable, to to send him back down or, you know, are you going to run with three catchers or does Kirk become your, you know, almost everyday DH? What does that mean for getting Vladdy and Springer and those guys off their feet now and then for a DH day? This is going to get kind of complicated and you wonder if this is only a, you know, month and a half long solution until the trade deadline and you're looking for something bigger and one of those three catchers maybe headed out the door or whether they would be willing to send this guy back down. I, I'm intrigued by that end of it. That's the thing. It's it's kind of a good problem to have, right? But but you bring up a good point in that at some point, depth becomes a question because you're going to have to rest your stars as you head into what is hopefully a playoff push, mm-hmm. right? Um, so does that give you more tools to do that? Does that, you know, they're probably evaluating what do we have already in our system versus yeah. what do we need to bring in at the trade deadline? So I think it's a great move. Right. Sue tries to reestablish herself inbounds and oh. does. Defense falls down and Sue's able to splash home the 12-footer. WNBA season well underway. I know you've been following that. You've been tweeting about it and uh, the way your pal Sue Bird has been victimizing people on the court. She has a family, Sue. (laughs) Just heartless. Just heartless. Just heartless. What are you seeing? What's the major storyline we're seeing right now out of the WNBA and who's who's lighting it up? You know what? Uh, The Las Vegas Aces, man. The, The Becky Hammond era is here and it has been amazing. They are 11 and 2 on the season so far. Obviously sitting number one. Um, they they were a good team before Becky Hammond got here. Like a lot of people, they they were in the uh, finals two years ago. They've been kind of back and forth and out of the finals for the last couple of seasons. They've got Asia Wilson, who's just one of the best players in the league right now. But what Becky Hammond has done is she's come in and got the most out of some of what would have arguably been her depth players. Kelsey Plum is is a prime example. She was sixth woman of the year last year, obviously a bench player. She did fantastic coming off the bench. I think she averaged like 14 points a game. And she's number two overall in scoring this year in WNBA. She's obviously a starter now. And the Aces have three players in the top 10 of scoring. And Asia Wilson is the bottom of that at ninth, (laughs) which should tell you something. Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young are sitting at two and three respectively. And, and, you know, they Becky Hammond has found a way to not only get the most out of her star players, but I think f- bring players like Kelsey Plum, who I, I don't think Kelsey Plum has ever doubted her abilities. I think she's always been very confident. Unfortunately, she's never got that opportunity to show what she could do as a starter. Mm-hmm. And now she's done that. And, and you know, I, I credit a lot to Becky Hammond. I don't want to take anything away from the Aces because they were, again, they were good before she got here. But they are just an unstoppable force right well, now. And, and remind people, if you don't mind, a little bit about Becky Hammond, because she worked around the NBA as an assistant coach for a while before taking this gig as a head coach. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So many NBA fans probably know her as the assistant coach in the, of the San Antonio Spurs, where she worked very closely with, you may be, you've heard of him, Greg Popovich. Oh, that guy. That guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, her name would pop up every couple of months, every couple of years, because some team in the NBA would be interviewing her for a head coaching job, which, you know we would all salivate over because finally we're going to see not just a woman get an opportunity as a head coach, but Becky Hammond, right. who is, who has put in her time, paid her dues, paid her dues. And like, let's call a spade a spade. If she were a dude, she would have had a head coaching <laughs> job a long time ago and it would just never work out. And to the point where, 
and I don't like to make this argument a lot, but it did kind of feel like some of these teams were doing it as PR stunts just right. to say they did See, it. See, we're open-minded. We're talking to a woman. <sighs> and I hate it. I yeah. hate it. Yes. How dare you use Becky Hammond like that? Right. And finally, she said, okay, screw this. I'm going to the WNBA. Yeah where I got my start as a, like, like that's where she, she played for many years and she was very successful in the WNBA. And now she said, screw it. I'm going to go there, make more than any head coach has in, in WNBA history, sign one of the biggest contracts ever. And look what she's done with this Las Vegas Aces team that has always been good, but just really struggled to be the best, right? right? They were always like top four or three in the league that, like I said, they were in and out of the finals. But now they're like just definitively number one. There's the Connecticut Center are are good, but they're still a game and a half behind them. And and I'm sorry that they don't even come close to the dominance that the Las Vegas Aces have. So I, I think Becky Hammond's finally got an opportunity with a really good roster to show what she can do. Who else is lighting it up around the league, out uh, maybe individual wise as opposed to team wise? Oh my God, my girl Stewie yeah. Brianna Stewart is she's number one in scoring right now, and thank God because the Seattle Storm are a mediocre seven <laughs> and five to start the season, and it's hurting my heart. But yeah. uh, Brianna Stewart and, and Jewel Lloyd have both been very solid for the Storm, and and you know Sue Bird's been been good, but I think she's averaging in the single digits right now. I think she's eight point three points per game. Last time I checked, and you know she's forty one. Yeah, she getting up there a little. She can't carry this team anymore, but. She's got an amazing roster around her, but the the Storm have been, let's say, lukewarm to start the season. They're in a playoff spot, and I think they, again, like when you, I said this, I've been saying this all season, but like Brianna Stewart, any year where she's been healthy for the full year, the Storm have won the championship. Right. Like that, that, that is a weird correlation in this league that exists. And she's healthy this year. And a healthy Brianna Stewart is a terrifying thing unless you're a Seattle Storm fan, <laughs> like I am. Uh, so she she has been absolutely unbelievable. I mentioned Kelsey Plum uh, finally getting a chance to showcase what she can do as a starter. Uh, she's number two overall in scoring right now. The, the kind of usual suspects, you know, Arike Gumbawale, Dallas is, is you know... Not they're, they're they're seventh overall in the league, but they're never really much to write home about. But they've got this amazing star in Agumba Wale that uh, you know is just keeping them going. Skylar Diggins Smith out of Phoenix. Phoenix is really struggling this year, unfortunately. They're missing Brittany Griner, which you know due to circumstances none of us can control. Um, but that's that's really hurt them. But Skylar Diggins Smith is still doing what she does best, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a really exciting season. Like like it's been so, and and the Chicago Sky. Not enough people are talking about the Chicago Sky, even though they're second overall in in the league right now, and they're the, the defending champions, right? Uh, and Candace Parker just defying the laws of time and space <laughs> and continuing to just dominate this She's league. A, what is it? The Sparkle Puff, the Galaxy Defender. Yes, I've, there you go. Yes. <laughs> she really is. Galaxy and, and Starfighter, Defender of the Universe. There, there it is. Yeah. I, I think she's, oh, she's so fantastic. And apparently she, she said like this may be her last season, which makes me very sad. But um, yeah, and you know, another team that I have to mention is the Washington Mystics. They finally got Elena Deladon back after a couple seasons of being out she got she had back surgery that kept her in and out of the, out of, uh, the lineup. She had Lyme disease, so Oof. she sat out the the COVID uh, bubble season just right. for health reasons. Yeah. And she hasn't been healthy or she's not been playing for the last couple of years, but the last time she was healthy, they won a championship. So now she's back and they started the season super hot. They're sitting fourth overall right now, but that's a team that I just love watching right now. Uh, you referenced a second ago uh, a name and uh, I feel bad it's already slipped out of my mind. There's a player stuck in Russia. Oh, Brittany Griner. What is the latest on that? Yeah, unfortunately, the latest is we we still don't know much. Like they, 
So she's been held ago. there since the war started, essentially. Basically, yeah, in February. The, a we, lot of those women players go to play in Europe. Unfortunately, the, a lot of the WNBA, WNBA players play overseas, either in Europe, Italy, Russia's a big one, and, and Brittany Griner is one of the players who, who plays in Russia. And in February, we, we learned, it had happened a few weeks prior to this, but we learned that she had been detained in Russia because... At a Moscow airport, they found hashish oil in her carry-on that she apparently used in, like, a vape. Right. And there's a lot of questions around that because, like, okay, if this is something that you're not allowed to carry in Russia, Brittany's been in in and out of Russia every off-season for the last God only knows how many years. Mm -hmm. You'd think she would know that, right? So, like, there's a lot of suspicions on on how this even happened. But anyway, she got detained. Um, They're not suggesting that the Russian government may be stretching the truth here. Uh, have they done it before? <laughs> I don't know. If you don't hear from me again, you know why. <laughs> but uh, so, so they detained her. This, when we had learned about it, she had already been detained for, I think it was like three or four weeks yeah. at that point. And she's been detained ever since. Finally, a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. Uh, changed her designation to wrongfully detained, which mm. meant that they could more aggressively try and get her home. They don't have to wait for her case to play out in the Russian courts, thank God. And yeah. more importantly, you know that's going to go yeah. totally fairly. More importantly, we were able to talk about it because there was this kind of shroud of secrecy. I don't even know if I'm using that word right, but like there was, it was shrouded in secrecy, her mm-hmm. case, because people said like, listen, if we talk about it too much, we may actually put her in danger. Yes. Um, so now that they've changed her designation, they can more aggressively negotiate to get her home. The WNBA and pretty much every team has, you know, made it their mission to advocate on her behalf every day. And and so that's what we've seen, you know, most, obviously the Phoenix Mercury are very aggressive in this. Most teams have a, a BG decal on their floor. They're wearing bring BG home uh, shirts. They started a website. They've been communicating with her regularly, which is good. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the latest we know. Unfortunately, there's not any more updates than that while well, we just kind of wait for, for her to get home. How's the pint? It's very good. Yeah. I love this beer so much. It is such a tasty IPA. Um, it's it is you know at six point two. It's not nothing, right? And it is Sunday afternoon yeah. at like one thirty as we record yeah. this. So I I'm doing my best to uh, to nurse it if I can. Sure. Uh, but this is one of my favorite beers. It's so good. How's yours? Peachy. Peachy, as yeah. in it tastes like peaches or it's good. That could be both. Okay. Yeah. No, this packs a heavy amount of peach punch right up front which is uh it's not bad i don't mind it um does it have that triple ipa like punch you in the back of the throat flavor no okay which i'm surprised good. a little bit by it's it's kind of dry uh which maybe i shouldn't be surprised by that part of it with a, a triple ipa like this but um yeah it's really fruity up front and then kind of dry on the finish is probably the best way i would describe it i love sampling all kinds of craft beers and you would think with a show like this, I would have gotten better at describing the flavor of them. <laughs> I'm just not good at it. Uh, I know what I like, and, mm-hmm. and that's about it. So I would call this peachy up front, dry on the back end, and, and that's about where, where that lands. I'm with you. I I know what I like when I like it, <laughs> Yes, but I don't always know how to describe it. Right, and I couldn't tell you this is the thing I like, so that if you thought of it, you're like, oh, that's a Matt beer. I'm going to grab that. For, like, I, I, I don't expect anyone to know what's a Matt beer other than Matt Stouts. Stouts. Yeah. yeah, that's my go-to is like a stout and like a brown ale. Right. I know you'll usually be happy For with. sure. But in terms of like it, something that stands out in the ingredients list or the flavor or whatever, yeah, no, I don't really have anything for you to tell you. I, I'll, I'll either like it or I won't, but I can't describe it to other people. So I know you're not normally an IPA guy. Has that changed? Uh, it's still not like... 
if we went into you know a brewery or whatever and they had four or six types of beers on tap, the IPA wouldn't be my go-to, but I am yeah. getting more and more into it just because I think I've tried all the states in Ontario at this point. <laughs> like I, I may be running out of options, right? But yeah, more and more, I'm, I am enjoying them. I'm more willing to, to sample whatever. And you know, as people come in here, the deal is supposed to be, and I don't have to tell you, uh, you come in, have a pint on TCA, and we'll talk about whatever. People keep bringing me stuff. Who and does it, that? And it's not, yeah, you're, yeah, you and Josh do that to me a lot, but a lot of people, and and sometimes it's kind of interesting when uh, when Bundo was in here the other day, he brought me a bunch of bush light, which was oh Jesus, odd. Um, that's why does had, that not surprise me? Well, it, I, I think what he said was, you know, he wanted to bring beer. He felt like he should, but that's what he had. So that's what he brought. And it was like, well, it's Love fine, it. man, but you don't have to bring anything. It's supposed to work the other way around. But I uh, said it on my way in. It's the Catholic guilt. I can't yeah. show up empty handed, man. <laughs> I, I wasn't raised that way. Right. And, uh, and they p- kind of pile up like just this week, I was drinking the last of something else. You and Josh brought me whenever you were in a couple of months ago. Last oh, the time. Cartwright Springs. Yes. What'd you think? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Very good. And they had something in the, the, they often have something in the advent calendar that yeah. I always enjoy too. They make nice beer. They uh, do. And yeah. you know what? Like if, if, um, any listeners get a chance to go check out their brewery uh, just outside of Pakenham. They've got a really nice space, especially in the summer, because they've got a really heavy outdoor hmm. presence. So, like, you can't really go in and have a drink inside. Although you can, it's just not that big. Sure. Um, but they've got all these Adirondack chairs set up outside. Yeah, I like that and, vibe. Oh, yeah. You've yeah. got bonfires. In the winter, they had an outdoor rink. So you could oh, go sweet. and have a beer and play some hockey. I like just, that. just ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was the Pakenham Bitter is the one that I was drinking the other night. Okay. It was very nice. Awesome. So, yeah. Appreciate awesome. that. You know, I, I do sympathize with the not wanting people to bring beer, but it happens ever since we got the kegerator. Like we have friends over and we're like, don't bring beer. We've got a keg. Like yep. we're, you know, you can pour your own beer kind of thing. And I understand a lot of people are like, I just can't show up yeah. empty handed, man. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. So we get a lot of pile up of like random beers. Right. And then like the... Here, even more so, like, I feel like you're doing me the favor by coming in to do the show. I'll provide the beer. And now you do me a favor by bringing me beer and it puts me back in debt, right? Like, (laughs) I'm definitely, yeah, I was saying before we started recording, I'm probably a net positive, but I don't care. Right. I'd rather that than my guilt of, like, drinking someone's, I know you, it's what you want, but, like. You can see I'm visibly uncomfortable with the idea of yes. like drinking. I get that. We beer. all are. Right? You're supposed to bring something. I, I get yeah. it. And it doesn't matter how many times you, you say, stop, please stop. Next time, you know what? I'll bring you like a nice bottle of wine. No, don't see do what that. happens. Definitely don't do that. <laughs> right, it'll still be here the next time you come to visit. Exactly. Just not a wine. Uh, well, we tried when you and Josh were here last the, uh, the Nanaimo bar. Oh, yeah. And uh, and there was a, the banana, I think. Did we try the banana whiskey or did was, or no, the banana bourbon? No, we, we talked about Josh's horrible allergic reaction to banana oh, liqueur. Oh, that's right. That almost killed him. You know Plus, what? you guys had puts, to drive home. We could yeah. only hand put so many liqueurs in front of you. <laughs> if he puts Kid Rock on again, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm not saying don't bring it out. I, look, Kid Rock has turned out, especially in the last few years, to be a complete douchebag. Just a parasite of a human being. But I, I, I'm, I'm sort of where, where Josh is at on this, where those early songs i i didn't mind i it. get it like i i'm a child of the 90s and the early 2000s yeah. as well there was a time where you Let's couldn't with to buy it up oh my me. god <laughs> you couldn't go anywhere without hearing that or cowboy yep. and i get it and and especially the wwe angle as well right because he, he does did, a lot of work he with did them. work with the wrestling a lot back yeah. then for sure him and limp biscuit basically traded wrestlemania as having the official theme song to wrestlemania why am i not surprised yeah and you see they're on tour again Limp Biscuit? Yeah. No. Yeah. Is Fred Durst still it's, it's like sad. there was that photo that went viral of him a few weeks ago because every like he looks like a bartender in Montreal. Yes. 
<laughs> like, it was that real? I didn't. I didn't look any further well, into that. He looks old. He looks right? old. Uh, and, and Father is, time has come for us all. And so, like, yeah, no, for sure. I am the last <laughs> guy who gets to criticize him for looking old. But uh, it's it. This has gotten to me a little bit over the years, where like. I sort of get it when I'm looking at ACDC or the Rolling Stones or like, first of all, to me, those are old bands, but they play a style of music that's conducive to it's fine to watch an old man play Start Me Up or whatever, yeah. right? Like, Because they were old when we were kids. That's right. They've so just always been that. old in my world, right? <laughs> but though, like, to me, there's nothing embarrassing about old men playing classic rock. There is something weird to me about watching 50-year-old Fred Durst break stuff right in a white tank top with like, a backwards hat it's, yeah like oh. at some point this isn't going to age properly and i think about this a lot even with you know dre and eminem and some of the stuff that they rap about like you're still every bit as talented and every bit as smart but it's weird i had some friends and i should be careful because maybe you went as well the backstreet boys were here a couple of years ago i didn't go but i would have and again, these are 45-year-old men now doing the same choreographed dances that they did as 22-year-old men. It's despicable. It's weird. I don't love it at all. It's weird. Like, I get it. When the music comes on, you still picture yeah. them the way you always pictured them as a teenager or whenever you were into it. But to watch them, and they're wearing red black jerseys to get people to, to cheer, and you're just like, <laughs> please stop twirling together or whatever this is. Like, and it's it's a fair... I. <sighs> I'm, it's not lost on me that the Backstreet Boys started touring again the second their like bulk of their audience and fan base, and I'm pointing at myself, <laughs> became legal age. Yes, which is kind of creepy to me. And I know they're all like most of them are dads yep. and married, and yep. hopefully not doing anything. Okay, this is sinister. my point. Picture your dad, <clears throat> no, up on stage. Singing I Want It That Way and doing a choreographed <laughs> oh. dance with his buddies. No offense, Dad, but I don't think any of us want Nobody that. wants to see their dad doing that. Right? That's like, fair. It's so odd. And I just, there's something about the types of music that kind of developed through the 90s um, that we all got into. I don't, you know, it's a different type of music, but my... Uh, like the punk rock stuff I got into in the late 90s, like uh, Anti-Flag or whatever, like I've gone to see them a couple times since and I still like the music. It still kind of gives me that feeling, but I'm like, what are you so angry about? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like I just don't have it in me anymore to be so, it just, some of it, the new types of music that we all got into and that developed through that era just don't seem to age the same way live. Which is, it's crazy when you think about the fact that like, what, the music that our parents, let's say, or, or anybody was talking about in the 90s, you know, they were talking about the Rolling Stones and yep. like the mu the music of the 60s and 70s. Yep. That's us now yes. talking about our music. Right. It's the same exact same timeline. Yeah. And that makes me feel so sad and old. Oh, I totally get that. It just it feels like that style of music just aged I mean, better. Yeah. Like classic rock aged fair. better. Country aged better than boy bands and angry rapping like that that rap metal crossover Limp Bizkit thing or is it, it is it Fred Durst is it Fred at 50 years old is it still all about the nookie is that well, still what it's all about like, yeah no, <laughs> I, I will concede there Limp Bizkit in particular like there's nothing about that music that ages well <laughs> I think you could still make a case for some of like the Dre or Eminem because yeah. a lot of what they were were rapping about was like you know police brutality 
unfortunately sure. still an issue but 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 yeah the the boy bands like imagine i'm trying I think to think the music of like, holds up but the, the fact that it's a 50 year old man up there doing that in front of me weird. now it it does it's just it's odd i think to listen to the music is fine to go to it i i feel weird now I, 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 i'd rather go personally i'd rather go to a bar that's gonna play that yes. music for me yeah. and dance to it. i love that but yeah going to a concert does feel a little weird yeah a little bit grown. now if the spice girls go on tour tomorrow and you, I they can't probably be will. Like all these people are touring God, again. So <laughs> Pandemic's you have no over. Idea. All the moms got to get out of the house and back no to idea. their. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Now, switching gears to my favorite sport, mm. uh, the UFC. Do you want to go back to MJF and the AEW? And yes, oh, please. This is second. Probably, I know probably just preferred. about as much as that one as I'm about this one. Yeah. Uh, UFC. Mm. I understand. There's some uh, some things you want to talk about here. Well, so. There was a card on uh, on Saturday night, and I looked at it, and it's one of those ones that, you know, they put out a, a pay-per-view almost every month now, and not all of them are worth the same. Like, they charge mm-hmm. about 65, 75 bucks, whatever, for HD, uh, whatever, to, to buy the, the pay-per-view, and they're not all worth 75 bucks, but they set the value. You know, we're never going to give you a cheaper one. We can't say this show is weaker than our no, other shows, not. right? And I looked at it and went, I'm not buying that. That's not any good. And it's not that it's not any good. There just wasn't enough there to... So our buddy Bunda, again, uh, God love him. He sends me over links. I like I like to call them links of questionable legality. <laughs> and uh, where you can watch the show for A free. totally legal nothing to see here stream. Right. And I have uh, an old iPad that I reserved for these sorts of missions where it gets sent into the darkest corners of the internet and you know i'm not sending my good studio computer into this part of the internet that's going to get just flooded with ads and pop-ups and the worst kinds of anyway that's the way i took down this show and i skipped the first two fights because again you're willing to do that if you're not paying for it because i was watching the third period of the hockey game there the rangers and lightning uh we'll get to that in a few minutes and the, the last three fights on this show that I decided wasn't worth paying for were phenomenal. Like, it turned out to really? be an awesome car. And that happens sometimes, right? Like, a lot of times, it's name value that makes you buy the, the show. The big name, hey, Conor McGregor's fighting? Like, everybody knows that name. I want to see Conor fight because that's what everybody's going to be talking about on Monday, especially Trides at work around the water cooler. Obviously. And, like, ah, Conor's not that good anymore, but he's a big name. And so sometimes you get these fights, uh, like last night we saw, uh, Valentina Shevchenko and she took on, um, you know, the, this, this woman that most people had never heard of, but she's been 19 and oh, and obviously, you know, in her last 19 fights that gets you in line for a, a title shot. Uh, and her name's Taya, Taya Santos. And that fight. Like Valentina Shevchenko, she's a draw. That's somebody you pay for. But once you get so good that people see your name on the card against someone that you've never heard of, you're like, I'm not paying for that. She's going to get murdered, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even worth paying for. Well, doesn't Santo step up and put the scare of a lifetime into Shevchenko? And a lot of people thought in this five-round fight that ended up going to the judges' scorecards that Santos had won the first three rounds. And so Shevchenko, who's a defensive fighter, she... She waits and counters what you do. Well, when you think you've lost the first three rounds, you now have to finish this fight. You can't let it go to the judge's scorecard. So she has to be aggressive. That opens her up to being uh, no different than any other sport, right? You start throwing Hail Marys, they're going to get picked off. You pull the goalie and, you know, there's risk in all these things when you open up. 
And Shevchenko ends up holding on to the belt because it does end up going to the judges' scorecard. Round two is close enough that often the champion gets a bit of a, uh, you know, you really have to finish the champ for the judges to take the belt off of her. Mm. And in this case, it just wasn't a strong enough win, but I think Shevchenko knows that was a problem and I, I'm lucky to still have this belt. And I'm sure the UFC will run that fight back, right? Now that you've all seen that Shevchenko almost lost here, maybe more people will buy it the next time. Like there's a legit chance that Shevchenko has met her match here. I'll buy it now. I'll like I'll, I'll it's it's clearly not just someone being led to the slaughter. Yeah. Uh so in terms of business wise, that's going to be interesting. And in the main event, uh Glover Teixeira took on uh Yuri Prohoshka in a um really interesting light heavyweight fight and the light heavyweight division is kind of all over the place, especially since John Jones can't stop getting arrested and getting suspended and all sorts of, we're not going to see John Jones for a while. I don't think. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, there's needles involved. There's, oh. there's all kinds of things happening there. So the, the title has sort of been bounced around between Jan Blahovich, Glover Teixeira, and now Yuri Prohoshka. And again, it's sort of like, there's no momentum there. I don't really care about either of these guys. Like Lover Teixeira is 42 years old. It's good to see him, you know, that he won a title before he retires, but now he just lost it right away. So what did it really all mean? And again, that fight turns out to be unbelievable. And I think Glover Teixeira, according to most people and the people I follow on Twitter, was up three rounds to one going into the fifth. All he's kind of got to do is either just kind of keep his distance, kind of trade jabs and and ride this out. He's going to win on the scorecards or wrestle him to the ground. Just kind of hold him there. No action. Just don't let anything happen. He actually stuns Prohoshka with a punch. And instead of finishing him like with another boxing match, like Teixeira is a ground guy. He's a judo guy. He's a wrestling guy. He takes him down. Well, that's exactly what Prohoshka needed in that moment, right? I've been knocked silly. I don't want to take any more punches here for a minute. Mm -hmm. Let's get to the ground. And just kind of wait this out. Um, and it's just, it's instinct when you're in a fight. I know I'm a wrestling guy. I know I'm a judo guy. I just smashed this guy in the head. He's clearly half unconscious. My reaction is to take him down when it should be one more punch and this is over, right? But if I know typically what I like to do is wrestle, it's hard to to kick that out. And so Prohoshka, he's the, he's the boxer. He's got the better striking. He doesn't want to be on the ground with Teixeira, but... Uh, at the end of the day, he ends up choking out Teixeira with 28 seconds left in the fifth round. Uh, nobody, nobody had that picked on, like I was reading, uh, I think it's Darren Ravel who normally has all the, the stats on the betting for, um, you know, big events of all kinds. He said literally no one had bet on, uh, on Prohoshka to finish via submission. If he was going to win the title, it would have been by a, a knockout. So... It all just, all of this just to say, sometimes these cards that you don't expect to be much that have some lower, lesser names on them, not quite as much star power, still turn out to be extremely entertaining. And it, yeah. it, it makes for good business, right? That you, you all feel next time, like, I probably should just buy this, right? Like, yeah. I should probably just get it. It's, it. It might be good. The last one was good. And, and now it opens up all sorts of questions about what's next in that light heavyweight division and all that stuff that there'll be intrigue over. But... Yeah, the other interesting part was the UFC, whenever they can, 
they like to stay at 10 p.m. Eastern for their start times, right? Oh, my God. The bar crowds. Yeah, I know. This is this is really the only reason you don't love this sport. <laughs> the only reason. Yeah. Um, and so they like that. It's, it's the bar crowd. You're mm-hmm. out. You've had a few drinks or whatever. And on the West Coast, it's still 7 p.m. That's perfectly manageable. It's fine. Often they'll change if they travel internationally, but not always. And this card was in the Philippines. And they kept it at 10 p.m. Eastern on the east coast of the United States and Canada start. That show started at 7 a.m. in the Philippines. Oh, my Lord. And so they had a crowd of 12,000 people or whatever who showed up. And they were rowdy. They were whatever. But not the same way in a crowd over here would be, right? You're not drunk. Probably. Some people probably were, I guess. Oh, yeah. But that's my that's my jam, though. You have a sporting <laughs> event at 7 a.m. I am here for it. Like, show up with my Starbucks right. ready to go. Ready I am to cheer on that. somebody getting kicked in the head. Hell yeah. yeah. CTE. Yeah. C-T-E. <laughs> Just kidding. You should never joke about CTE. Yeah. Um, do you think that, and this is, again, a non um, UFC fan asking this question. So I may, I may not understand as much of the background, but. You know, the WWE went from that kind of model of you pay a pay-per-view, you pay for a pay-per-view for the big, big events, and most people would do it. Mm-hmm. And then they went to their network where you paid a subscription fee and you got all of their content, including the big ones. Right. Do you think the UFC would ever switch to that? Um, I don't see it right now because they're getting the best of both worlds. Mm. They have signed a deal with ESPN Plus in the United States, which is, for those who aren't familiar, uh, I think it's like eight bucks or ten bucks a month. Um, you get bonus ESPN content similar to your, I was going to say Netflix, but it's not because you get live stuff, right? Uh, but it's a subscription service. And so the UFC is getting a cut of ESPN plus while they have this deal and you have to get ESPN plus to buy the pay-per-views in the US. You can't just call oh. your cable provider anymore. So ESPN gets people who don't care about any other part of ESPN Plus, they have to sign up before they can then order the pay-per-view through ESPN Plus, and the UFC in exchange gets a cut of ESPN Plus subscriptions, okay. right? So right now, obviously the UFC, you know, their pay-per-views are more expensive than the WWE's, obviously because it's legit and they don't have the same kind of Monday and Friday every week. Mm-hmm. Their top stars will be out on free TV anyway, so... Right now, they're kind of getting the best of both worlds with a cut of a subscription service that someone else is running and then still all their their pay-per-view buys. Um, They do have UFC Fight Pass and you can get what are essentially all the old fights similar to the WWE Network, right? You can go back, you can watch, uh, but you can't order a current pay-per-view through that. You have to do that through ESPN. So that's the difference and it takes away some of the value of the the UFC fight pass, you do get like essentially what are minor league fights from around the world. Like they, they've struck deals with a bunch of different organizations that on a random Saturday, what the California fight league is having a show. Maybe you'd get to, to watch that. You won't know who anybody is, but if you're that hardcore into the sport, it's, there's a value there, but yeah, you got to be a real hardcore for, okay. for it to be worth it. So, okay. To the left of Mazzoli, second and five from the bomber 20. Mazzoli, now he's going to look towards the end zone. As he sends it deep and finds Shaq Johnson. And how about this for an answer from the visitors? Week one of the uh, CFL in the books, the Ottawa Red Blacks, who you and I are most interested in. I think they put a scare into the champs and uh, and played a hell of a game, but did come up short there at the very end. Uh, I don't. Uh, John Rodenberg, who was in here, 
not uh, you know not more than a week ago, he sort of put out on Twitter that the Red Blacks made just enough mistakes to lose, uh, but otherwise, you know, we're just about there, just about able to to take a bite out of the champs in a what was not a kind kind dealing from the the schedule maker to start on the road in Winnipeg and then come home also to play Winnipeg. Honestly, yeah, a home at home against the defend, two-time defending Grey Cup champs. Why Especially not? when you're trying to drum up, look, we're better, we promise this yeah, year, but, we don't but suck. for the first two weeks, here's the champs just to oh. you know make you question it. It was an interesting game. I thought yep. Jeremy Masoli was, uh, or Jeremiah Masoli was, was really good in his first start. Uh, the thing that I would take away on top of the, the little mistakes were at the very end of the first half, you had the ball and clock management wasn't very good. You it, it sort of looked unorganized and they didn't come away with anything when they probably should have been able to get at least a field goal out of it. What do you think of week one for the Red Blacks? I mean, I, I expected, I said on the podcast that they'd come out of this home at home with Winnipeg one and one. So they're on their way to that. And and right now we're okay. But, you know, they were they were. Or ahead. this was supposed to be the one. You took yeah. your best shot at it. And and now now they really have yeah. a lot of pressure coming at home. <laughs> But they they were leading until Drew Brown came in unexpectedly because unfortunately Zach Caleros went down. You never want to see Zach Caleros get obviously get get hit in the head no. with his concussion pass. But you know th- there was a very unlikely and and hard to predict drive from Drew Brown that essentially won the game for Winnipeg. And and until then Ottawa was right there. And not every game is going to be perfect, especially the first game of the year, right? Right. You expect to see a lot of mistakes, and we certainly saw that. But there was a lot to get excited about if you're a Red Blacks fan, in my opinion. One is, for the love of God, we may actually have a long game, <laughs> which we really, when you think about it, we haven't had since Henry Burris. We have not had a... Janine has talked about this on the podcast. I completely agree with her. We have not had a long game on this, a long ball on this team since Henry Burris and already functioning shoulder important at the quarterback position. Apparently who could have seen (laughs) that, but already in in this game, you know, we had Jalen Acklin with a, with a long of of 51. And we, we know that Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to look to Acklin quite a bit this season. They were Mm -hmm. both from, you know, coming from Hamilton. They're very familiar with one another. Nate Bahar is someone I am hoping we get to see more of because we've been kind of waiting for Nate Bahar to take that next step for a couple of years. And I think that, unfortunately, in the, in the last couple of years, and in particular last season, he just didn't have, you know, there were four starting quarterbacks for this uh, yeah. team. And there was a shell of an O-line that didn't give the quarterbacks enough time to go through their reads. And unfortunately, I think that because of that, Nate Bahar didn't get targeted a lot. And when he did, he was very good. Yep. We just didn't see him used a lot because I don't think the quarterbacks had enough time to go through their reads and actually factor him in. And all, you know he had a, he had a long of thirty eight in this game. He had he wasn't used a ton. He did have fifty yards overall in the game, and and I think that we're going to see more from him as the season goes on. Uh, but Jalen Acklin, Darvin Adams as well, uh, both heavily utilized in this game, and I think that we're going to see more from that. And, and again, that's just Hardy had a nice game. Yep. Yeah. It, it to me. Yeah, I thought in the fourth quarter, you're right, it ends up being Brown that comes down and finishes off that drive. But the Red Blacks had already committed a couple penalties. It basically paved the road right to the mm-hmm. right to the house. There's just little mistakes like that that against a team like Winnipeg, you just can't make. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens when they come home and you got to play them again. I think both teams will make adjustments, uh, obviously. But what did you make of the, the Zach Caleros injury? And for those who aren't familiar, what happens is uh, he takes a knock to the to the dome, uh, 
and the spotter pulls him out for three plays. And I think we want to see this, certainly as Ottawa fans, we don't want to see Caleros hurt, but we want no. to see him leave the field. Uh, but as a Winnipeg fan, while you value Caleros, while you say all the right things about wanting players to uh, to be kept safe and, and all this stuff, you're driving late in the fourth quarter. You need to get down there and put points on the board, and your quarterback is pulled out for three plays, and they end up leaving him out because they had already gotten within field goal range, which mm-hmm. is all they needed. Um, but at the time, the crowd booed heavily when he was removed from the game by the spotter, right? And said, no different than in the NHL when guys get sent to the dark room after a shot to the head. Mm-hmm. I guess we should be reassured that they're going to do this. That's a star player in a big moment and they still pulled him out. I get it. If I'm a Winnipeg fan, I'm probably pretty unhappy with it. But at the same time, you know, from a, a more broad perspective, are you reassured that the league is taking this seriously, that they were willing to do that in week one to a star player in a big moment like that? Still go, no, we're, we're doing this. You have to come sit out for three plays. I'm okay with it, honestly. Like, especially when you consider Zach Caleros's concussion history. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just about his playing career anymore. There was a time where we were like, no, this guy needs to have some sort of quality of life yes. when he's done playing football. And even that was in question. And that's why it was so amazing to see him come back and win two great cups and, and actually play and play well. And you don't want to sacrifice that. You don't want to sacrifice that in terms of football, but you also don't want to risk this man's life any more than it already has been. So, you know, from the perspective of, am I glad that the concussion spotters are doing their job no matter the circumstances? Absolutely. Yeah. If I'm a Winnipeg fan, it's also not the end of the world because it is game one, right? Like they of all people know that the season is long, even shortened seasons right. are long. <laughs> and the playoffs, you know, it's it's a grind getting to the Grey Cup. They've been there twice. They've taken home two Grey Cups. They understand the, the how little this game one really matters in the grand scheme of not just winning a championship, but also someone's health and well-being. So I don't have an issue with it. I think it's the right thing to do, especially, and it should it should happen no matter what, mm-hmm. but especially just given what Zach Caleros has dealt with. Yeah, look, I reserve the right to freak out and be completely irrational. Oh, it happens yeah. to my guy in the of last course. minute. But as we sit here, as you say, in week one and go, I to me, I'm happy to see, even it didn't matter. Like for Winnipeg, they still went on and won, won the game. Yeah. yeah, who cares? But in the moment, I would be furious as a Winnipeg fan. If Calero says he's okay, let him in there. Uh, well, no, athletes always say they're okay, right? Um, but I, I think it, I, I am, I'm reassured. I'm happy to see that it didn't matter to the spotter, to the league that, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter late with the game on the line and the starting quarterback being the guy in question, they still went, no, you have to come and sit down for three plays until we make sure you're okay. And I, 100%. I think that's, uh, I think that's only good. Uh, what else did you take away from week one? I, I got to tell you, for me, the Bo Levi Mitchell question has only been intensified now. Um, there were people who would tell you at a Calgary last year that he wasn't the guy anymore. They have another guy. Maybe you can help me. I think it's Mayer, Meyer. Jake Meyer. Jake Meyer. That, uh, you know, he had already kind of surpassed an aging Bo Levi Mitchell, but but that's a guy with a legacy that mm-hmm. you don't just erase and whatever. You give him another chance to to start the season. Uh, we're going to end up seeing Meyer now anyway, but uh, that to me stood out in, in week one that, you know, all of those questions heading into the season have now, for now, been made irrelevant. Um, 
Stanback goes down for Montreal. That's going to be that's going to hurt a big blow for them. Um, Thirty four thousand people to see the uh, home opener in Vancouver. That's big for the BC Lions. They haven't had a crowd like that. There's some stories coming out of week one. What do you see? I love it. I, I, I agree with you that the the question around Bo Levi Mitchell is an interesting one. In Calgary, like they've kind of become this, Josh will hear this and hate me for it, not quite to the extent of the Argos, but they're backup quarterbacks. They're a little, a little bit of a quarterback factory to a certain extent because they're backup quarterbacks. They've always had one guy who comes up, takes over for Bo Levi Mitchell as he gets hurt. Everyone freaks out about him, and then he goes somewhere else. Right, and and we saw that with Nick Arbuckle. Yeah. Unfortunately, really hasn't worked out anywhere else at this no. point. Uh, Michael O'Connor was also yep. one that they had a lot of questions about last year. He's in BC now as the backup, and 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 Meyer is kind of the the next one. But Levi Mitchell is like the Boston Bruins. You keep expecting him to age, and it just doesn't happen. Right, like yep. he's still a good quarterback. Sure. He's he's still one one of the best quarterbacks in this league, and and and. I, I'm not going to say he hasn't shown signs of aging because he has been hurt a lot in the last couple of years. But when he plays, he's he's still one of the best in the league. And and I and I think that you're right that this this didn't answer any questions. It raised more questions yeah. than it answered. And I love that. I, I think that's what you want in week one, right? Sure. You want to have some storylines. The BC storyline, I love. First of all, how big is Nathan Rourke's family? How many of them <laughs> were in this crowd? And so Nathan and, Rourke. Canadian quarterback, they don't usually get to play in the CFL. And Here not is, just Canadian, from Victoria, yes. BC. Like, how great. Starter in week one. It's not like he's thrown in there because <sighs> three other guys got hurt ahead of him. No, he, uh, he showed last year that he deserves to be the starter. Yeah. And so I as you say, 34,000 people or whatever, are they all cousins and aunts and uncles of his? <laughs> that's awesome. What's the population of Victoria, <laughs> right. BC? I want to know. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I was a, Many people know I was a BC Lions fan before the Red Blacks came to town. I'm not, it's not lost on me the fact Casey that. Casey Printer's jersey at home. No, or? It was G Roy Simon. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank I, you very I, I much. Like that. The right. Superman. Yeah. Um, but I, it's not lost on me the fact that, you know, Vancouver and Toronto are the two biggest and at the same time most difficult markets for the mm-hmm. CFL, right? There's just so much else going on, right? In Regina, it's a different story. Right. <laughs> this is the team. This is the team. And, and, and in Vancouver and Toronto, you're a moderate sized fish in the ocean as opposed to the, you know, a big fish in a little pond. Right. So I, I sympathize with the struggles they've had and I want them to succeed. And I, I love that with new ownership and new management, they're trying new things. Mm-hmm. And I, in the CFL, that's often a difficult thing to rectify with fans. They don't tend to love anything new, but nope. they still want this league to succeed. And I always say like, how do you expect both? Right. Right, you have to be okay with new things. You have to be okay with teams trying new things if you want this league, not just this team, but this league to succeed. And I love that they threw a One Republic concert right before this game. I love that. It's like it's like having a halftime show that has nothing to do with football. Right. Where, where the, the you know the guest or the the performer is Shania Twain. Sh- Obviously, I will. I will defend that. But (laughs) you know, you want to bring, you want to give people a reason to get there. And I was, I was having this conversation with Josh because he's like, "Well, how many people are there for the the game?" 
doesn't matter how many people are going to be watching next tickets. week. Yes. They bought tickets to this game. You, that, and, that matters. And then the Lions went out and put up, what, oh 50 God, on the... 59 yeah. points. Like, yeah. come on. No, I'll come back next week. The Elks are I not get it. I get but it. But that's for a, a BC Lions team that has struggled a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah. To come out home opener Even if you showed up crowd, just for the concert, you went, hey, that was fun. That was fun. Maybe yeah. I'll go next week. Right. Maybe I'll watch next week. Right. Even if a handful of people yep. did that. Right. You won. You did what you came out to do, and who knows who they're going to bring out next time around, right? right. Like, try this again. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. No, try I, new things. Sports are fun. I agree with you on that. This is the CFL needs a little bit of that vibe, right? Needs to feel it a little bit, and and like that. This is kind of cool. We need to stop talking about four downs. We need to stop talking about merging with other leagues. We need to stop all of it and just enjoy what this is, and let some of these teams try some things, like you're saying, right? And it worked. Yeah. It couldn't have been more successful in week one in BC. And so that's great to see. I um, like, I, just if I could add one more point, yeah. I think the CFL fa- CFL fans overall need to understand that not every market is the same. And yeah. sometimes what works in, in Vancouver may not work in, in Regina. Right. But they're two different markets. Let them function differently. Let them do what they need. It's kind of like the NHL, right? Like everyone, Vegas came in and people are like, what the hell is this pregame show? Yes. It works for that market. Yep. Let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great example. Like, uh, of uh, like even through this uh, CBA negotiation, like before we got this season up and running, like I was indignant and I'm a, I'm a leaf guy. I'm a Toronto guy. I'm a Rogers, you know, blue Jays baseball guy, all this stuff. I'm like, there is not a chance in hell that the people of Saskatchewan, who have a community-owned team, should be sending checks to MLSE to keep the Argos alive, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, do you want the league to run or not, right? Exactly. Do you want this to work or not? And it's gross. Like, I, I, you got to look the other way and hold your nose when you understand that MLSC is getting checks from Regina. How often do we do that as sports? No, I know. <laughs> right? Yes. And it's this, I make the same argument with, and I'm, I'm not saying, because this is a controversial issue, and I know people are going to clip this and, and be mad at me. <laughs> I'm not saying I am pro four downs, mm-hmm. but if it came down to the CFL is going to fold or we add an extra down, right. do what you have to do, man. Mm-hmm. I don't care. There's enough to make this league unique. We still have a larger end zone. We still have a larger field. We Our still balls have the motion. Are Our balls are bigger. <laughs> There's so much to make this league unique that I know a lot of fans say like their their sticking point is the fourth down. If they bring in the fourth down, I'm out. I'm I'm not I'm not that extreme. If it comes down to the CFL needs to succeed, so this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Let it, so be it. I I know you you know, we don't need to get bogged down here. I just don't think that's changing the business model. I don't think they're selling thousands more tickets by changing to four downs. No, or, that's fair. Or whatever. So that's fair. It, it, look, if if people are married to that argument, fine. I like you said, some are, some aren't. Uh, I just don't think it would help. I, I, the only point I was trying to make is this league is different. There, mm-hmm. in no other league in North America would you see what a Green Bay sending money to the Giants. Or to the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. But in the CFL, that's the business model. It's they're not raking often. it in in Saskatchewan and they're not in Toronto. So. It's not often you say Saskatchewan is the Mecca. Right. Right. And here it clearly is. Are no you going to Great Saskatchewan. Cup in Saskatchewan? You know what? Um, in full disclosure, we, we plan on it. Mm-hmm. 
but every hotel in Regina yeah, I doubt is it, or I don't doubt it. There's probably only <laughs> There's three hotels in Regina. Right. So our only option right now, and I, I, I don't want to give away our plans yeah. because other people are going to do it, but sure. we basically would have to stay in a city, small city outside of Regina, mm-hmm. rent a car, get a hotel there and drive right. back and forth. So this we're undecided. This is like undecided. when Jacksonville hosted the Super Bowl. Oh my God. And they're like... No, right? Like we barely no, have enough hotels for the work. teams, let alone the media and the sponsors. And yeah, so we're we're undecided because it's going to be a tough one yeah. at this point. Because it's like I want to go to a game at Mosaic. There's no doubt about sure. it. I, and and I say all of this about Saskatchewan with love, yeah, of because course. I love the Rough Riders. You guys are crazy, and yeah. I love it. And I want to go see a game there. Maybe the Grey Cup's not the one. Yeah, that's it. You could easily fly out there for a banjo bowl or yeah. a, or or a Red Blacks game, like whatever. But sure. my, my dad actually, he was living in Saskatoon at one point, and he went to a Red Blacks game at Mosaic, and he's got this awesome photo of him in a Red Blacks jersey amongst a sea of green. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, they get it out there, right? Oh that, yeah, that, that's where it God is. God love them. I'm looking forward to. It. What do you think? Of the East, just before we move off the CFL, uh, Steve Lloyd was here the other night, and we were talking off-air over a pint or two. We see the East Division very differently. Um, I I kind of think, even though they brought in some veteran guys, they're looking a little older, I think there's a good chance that the Argos can be very good. Uh, mm-hmm. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, to me, is not a top-end quarterback in the league, but he is a serviceable guy that can, that can get you there, right? He can get it done, and... And see what happens. But it all depends on some of the older guys that they've brought in here. I think Hamilton will be good. And I think Ottawa is is perfectly capable of sliding in. And, and some people think more, some less. But I think they're a playoff team. I think Montreal, and this was before the standback injury, which is certainly going to hurt Montreal. Uh, I guess I haven't heard a follow-up report, but they took him off on the card. It didn't look good. Um, I think Montreal is the the team out. Uh, Lloydie disagrees. He thinks that uh, the Toronto is out and Montreal really? is uh, is going to be better than that and 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 may push push for one of the top spots in the division. Well, it's hilarious that Toronto hasn't played a game yet because obviously they started the week the the season on a bye. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're first in the East because every other team Everybody in the East lost. lost this yes, week. Exactly. So they're zero and zero, and they're first in the Can East. We end this here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Point made. No, yeah. I, I I'm with you. I think Toronto. They brought in Andrew Harris. They mm-hmm. brought in Brandon Banks. And I'm sorry, but I could be a successful quarterback with that as my running back. The, those and guys receiver. are slowing down, though. They're like, slowing down, but they're still so good. I agree. I I'm with you. I think as long as they kind of peak at the right time, yeah. right? Like, And and you you hit the nail on the head. McLeod Bethel, Bethel Thompson is a serviceable quarterback. He just hasn't really had the tools around him. Yeah. At least that that matched his abilities. And, and credit to Toronto, they at least are trying something different this year. They brought in two huge names. Let's see if this works. Because mm-hmm. they, I think this is, I said this last year, this is McLeod Bethel Thompson's last chance. Like yeah, at, at some so. point, and, and I say that like, they still went to the East final last year. Yep. Like, like yeah. it's not like he had it. And I know that, you know, you have to win one playoff game to get to the East final, but <laughs> it's not like, you know, he's completely fought. Like, like it was terrible last year. Like, no, he got them within one and like very at times close game of, of the gray cup. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I hate to say this is his last chance, but it kind of is I because think so too. he needs to prove that he's the guy. And evidently, you know, he was more the guy than Nick Arbuckle was yes. because Toronto sent him out of town. Um, but I, I think that they finally brought in some, some new pieces and some different pieces that hopefully will, you're right, they're aging, but 
they're still at their peak. They're two of the best. At, they are the, you know, between Andrew Harris and Brandon Banks, the best at their respective positions at times. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And uh, we'll have some more CFL talk. And this is not a, a, a rewarding term for listeners. This isn't an optimistic term for listeners. At some point with AJ Jackubeck, we've been trying to. That's the most accurate plan with AJ Jackubeck. Yes, exactly. Uh, We've been trying to iron out a time. Uh, We have stayed in touch, um, but we have not yet nailed down. It was supposed to be before game one. That, of course, did not happen. Um, We'll see. It's coming. AJ's always good for it. He will show up, but we don't know exactly when yet. So stick around for that if you're looking for more CFL talk with uh, AJ Jackubeck, the voice of the Red Blacks. All right, well, we haven't talked at all about the Stanley Cup playoffs yet. We'll do that, but uh, before we do, I'm going to crack another beer here. And, yeah, you are. And I said off the top that, uh, you know, that 10.2% would either be a nice thing to carry me through the show or the beginning of of an interesting Sunday. It looks like it's going to be the beginning of an interesting Sunday. This is a 6.2% IPA from Grain and Grit. Uh, this is the Cold Call IPA. I actually think I've had this once before. I okay. can't remember for sure, but... Uh, it was sitting solo there, as you called it, in the mystic fridge. The mystic fridge yeah. of mysteries. I can't call it the magic fridge because that's what I called my dad's fridge when I was growing up. And oh, okay. Because I would drink tons of beer out of it and it would always be full anyway. Like, it it just would reappear full. I, I, don't, I don't know magic. what happened. Yeah, it was a magic fridge. So that one's already been copyrighted. I guess uh, if you're dubbing this one the mystic fridge, we can take that. And What was it... Uh, the WNBA talk. Which team was it that was called the Mystics? Oh, the Washington Mystics. The Washington Mystics. All right. Yeah, there so you go. We can strike up some sort of sponsorship deal there or uh, Absolutely. Or whatever. The Elena Deladon Mystic Fridge of Mysteries. Oh, that's a nice sound. How is it? A little uh, more... It's weird to say since the last one was a triple IPA. This one tastes more like an IPA. Interesting. Okay. Got a little more of that hoppiness to it. Uh, I think... Probably at 10.2%. The other one was juicier, right? Yeah. Like uh, thicker. It's got, yeah, I find triple IPAs, even double IPAs, they have that like syrupy yes. thickness to them. This one is a little more back to the the world of a typical IPA. That's good. A little closer to it. Uh, we have a Stanley Cup final all set. Colorado Avalanche will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are looking to, uh, to three-peat after they beat the Rangers on Saturday night in six games. I don't know how much of a chance you had to watch... Uh, that game, the all night long, the Rangers are pushing to try and, and get the first one. They finally tie it at one, and like 26 seconds later, I think it was, Stamkos makes it 2-1, and you're just like, okay, this is done. Like, the, the champs are going to do what the champs are going to do. Uh, it was an interesting East final, mm-hmm. interesting West final, but what do you make of this this finals matchup? I love this finals matchup just personally because either we're going to see the Avalanche finally, after years and years of being like, the favorite to do this, right? They've got Nate McKinnon, one of the best players in the league. Kale McCarr, one of the best players in the league. Best defenseman in the league. Will they or won't they finally get over the hump? They got over the hump of the second round. And so we're either going to see them finally win a Stanley Cup or we're going to see a dynasty the likes of which we have not seen in our lifetime, which is three Stanley Cups in a row. Your lifetime. My lifetime. I'm a little older. My lifetime. We have... I don't remember it, but I have seen it in my lifetime. Okay. The Islanders did uh, three in a row. Were you alive for that? <clears throat> you know what? I shouldn't have asked that Yeah, question. that's really rude. <laughs> that's really rude. I can't believe I you. always, I, I, and it's not a knock on your age. It's I always forget whether or not that happened in the 70s or 80s. So, it was the 80s, And right? honestly, I wasn't, yes. Okay. Yes. That's not that bad. <laughs> okay. So the, uh, 
I, I was there for the tail end of it. Because I okay. believe the Oilers won in 84, 85, and then Montreal won in 86. Yes. And then uh, Edmonton again in 87, 88. And then the Flames in 89. So the Oilers, with all their championships, never won three in a row. Nope. Uh, the Islanders did. And uh, I was born in 83 with that last one. So I guess technically they clinched it in my lifetime. But mm. uh, Okay. So but you're right. Nobody has won, certainly not in the cap era. No. And, uh, and yeah, we haven't seen it since the Islanders in the early 80s. And the Islanders in this series did exactly what they do, which is let you think you have a chance. Uh, sorry, not the, the Islanders, lightning. the lighting. Yes. Um, they did exactly what they do, and they let you think you have a chance. And I know as a Leafs fan, you know nothing about this. <sighs> I am this. familiar with the phenomenon, <laughs> yes. But, you know, the Rangers go up to nothing. And then the, the – why do I keep wanting to say the Islanders? The lightning go, okay, that's fun, but now we're actually going to start trying. The fun time is over. And then <laughs> four in a row, mm. nothing but net. Like it's I, – I feel like uh, Jesse in Breaking Bad, like they can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> like what the hell is with this team? They Well, they've come this far without Braden Point. Through they're most always, of it. And they're always without somebody, yeah. right? First Stanley Cup was without Steven Stamkos. That's Second right, Stanley yeah. Cup was, well, in the regular season without Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, he, he got healthy, luckily, at the right time. Yeah, nothing <laughs> no. nothing to see here, folks. Um, and, and now, you know, without Braden Point, they, they're such a deep team that mm. no matter who's in the lineup, they're a threat always. And, and again, like, I'm happy either way because we're going to get to see something pretty cool. I can't remember... and. I'd be curious to get your opinion on this. I don't know if we've ever arrived at a Stanley Cup final where I have felt so much like these are the two best consistently run organizations like, that should be here. Yeah. Right? These are the two teams you go, yeah. And it's not just like the two teams that you looked at this year and said, well, those are the two hottest teams they should get. These are two consistently well-run teams that have been building and building. Obviously, Tampa is ahead of Colorado with their two championships already, but... You know, you look at what Colorado's built out there, It's it's been building for quite some time, and everybody kind of was giving them shit for not being able to get out of the second round, uh, but they do, and now they've arrived here. Tampa and, and Julian Brisebois, they just find a way, right? They, mm-hmm. they sell players on wanting to be there. They draft and develop well. Um, it's, it's a matchup that you kind of go, it's fitting, right? Like last year we did the, like Montreal got there, and look, Yes, I have a bias against Montreal, but you're like, is Montreal the second best team in the league this year? They are not, right? No. Like, they don't belong here. The year before that with Tampa, they were in the bubble. And again, full value. They had to do the same things everybody else had to do, but it, it felt like a weird year, and they played Dallas, and you're like, I don't know if we had played this out like a normal year if Dallas would have been the other team standing. Um, but Tampa is always there, no matter the circumstances they've found a way over these last three years to always be one of the teams left standing in that final when no one else has been able to generate that kind of consistency in whatever it's been almost, almost 40 years, almost 40 years. Wow. (laughs) Almost 40 years. It's unbelievable what they've, what they've done, especially when you consider the cap era, right? Mm -hmm. Like we kind of changed our definition of what dynasty was For the Blackhawks, yep. essentially. Yep. Uh, three Stanley Cups in six years. Sure, that's a modern Close day enough. dynasty. That's what it's got to be now. Yeah. I, I, and I was 100% on that yeah, train, yeah. right? Um, not anymore. Not anymore. This this is... As, Somebody's showing you can do it with yeah, the real way. Honestly, and, and what blows my mind is like through all of this, John Cooper has never won a Jack Adams. 
in in this in this midst, no. right? Jack Adams winners are only coaches of bad teams with good goalies. Exactly. <laughs> when you you sucked less than we expected, yes, or you exactly. were better than we expected, hey, boom, Jack Adams. In. Right. It blows my mind that John Cooper has. He's not only the longest tenured coach in the league, mm-hmm. but he is potentially about to coach a team to three Stanley Cups in a row, or at least three Stanley. Like even if they don't win. Get just getting here. That's well, impressive. And was supposed enough. to be the coach of our Olympic team this year. Yeah. Like, just like, unbelievable. Quite a resume for that guy. Yeah. And no, you're you're absolutely right. I can't remember a time where we saw a Stanley Cup final that was like. Was it maybe uh, the one that comes to mind for me is 09 Pittsburgh versus Detroit? Yeah. The Red Wings at the time were still at the height of their. Powers. And they had gone back to back in the same matchup, right? Yep. Yeah, and the Penguins had drafted and developed pretty well. Not just Crosby, which was obviously just a lottery win, but everything around there to to get them there. I guess if you wanted to go a little bit forward, we could talk about San Jose and Pittsburgh in 2016 or 17. I can't remember now. San Jose had been very, very good for a very long time. And everyone sort of thought that window was closed on them and they found a way like, but again, like not quite like this. It seems like what Joe Sackick has done in Colorado and certainly what Julian Brisebois has continued to do after Eiserman left Tampa. These are two very deserving teams. Absolutely. And yeah. and it's it's nice to finally see it play out like that because as great as a Cinderella story is and, you know, a run that is unexpected, it's so exciting to watch provided you're not like a fan of a rival team, for example. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I it's always fun. Like give the Habs enough credit last year, but fuck them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah, they were not what we thought they were. Um, right. But like, you know, y- there were so many years where whether it was the the Rangers or... The eighth place Kings won the cup. The eighth place Kings or, or the, the sometimes the Bruins would just show up and, and I know that they're Uninvited. consistently one of the best yes. teams, but they're always like when they got to the, the finals, they were usually like sitting, you know, fourth or fifth in the division, right? Well, or it's not fair conference. because they always got to start with one free pass in the first round. <laughs> Did they now? Yeah. Against who? Seemed to be, no. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Do not recall. No. Um, no, but there's always one team. And and if New York had made it, they would have been that team, which is weird because they still finished technically like home. Yeah, they were, advantage-wise. They were yeah. higher than, than the Lightning. Yeah. But they were, no one expected them to get no, this far. No, not this fast. Right? No. Um, and as great as a story like that is, sometimes it's nice to see two teams who you expected yeah. to be here. Let's here. see the, the two heavyweights yeah. tee off on each other. Now, as we look ahead into the series... As I watched Colorado just roll the Oilers, I tweeted out, I just don't see who's left that is going to hold this Colorado team down for seven games. But then Kemper goes down, Kadri goes down, and as you referenced off the top of this topic, Tampa is capable of just doing their Tampa things. I don't know. I don't have a good feeling on... What's about to happen here? I, I I think if both teams were fully healthy, obviously Tampa's without point. That's not nothing. Uh, there is talk. He may be back in time uh, for game one. He, I guess they talked about him possibly playing game six. They're missing a key piece too. But Colorado without Kadri giving them in that kind of second punch on that line with Rantanen um, and certainly with uh, with Francis in goal instead of Kemper, who even, I get it, Kemper's not, you know, He's not Vasilevsky. Yeah. But he's better than than Francis. I don't know if this is as this if like I said, if everyone was healthy, I go into this and I go probably Colorado in five. I'm far less comfortable sitting here today 
looking at the deck the way it's actually been stacked uh, without, you know, all those guys involved, uh, it's possible Tampa does the thing again. That, yeah, I, I think uh, it's an unfortunate reality for Colorado that uh, Tampa is Tampa, yeah. right? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do to them. They will do it to you worse back. <laughs> like, and yes. we, we've seen that, we, right? Like they like to let teams put them up against the ropes a little bit. They like to let teams get a, a few punches in yep. and feel good about themselves. And the next thing you know, the series is over and you're going home and you're like, what the hell happened? And you're getting more respect in the handshakes, but you're still oh, going yes, home. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> but you're right. The injuries to Colorado leave a lot they leave a lot of question marks. I'd say more so for Kadri than Kemper. And as weird as that sounds, yeah. but like you said, Francois is just, he's looked pretty good. He's and fine. Yeah. He doesn't need to be the star of the I show. I recall saying that about another goalie who was going to have to, like Jack Uh-oh. Campbell wasn't supposed to have to be the star. And he no. wasn't the star, but he, his numbers at the end of the series were better than Vasilevsky's, but you can have them. You're at home and they're carrying on. Yep. Right. So. Exactly. I, I don't know that that high-powered offense and everything Colorado's bringing, you know, Vasilevsky is, uh, you know, as I think back, Colorado has played St. Louis. They kind of ended the the myth of Vili Husso and forced them back to Bennington and then back to Husso when Bennington got hurt. Um, in the first round, they played Nashville and Saros had just gotten hurt, so they obliterated uh, Nashville's goaltending and they they reminded everyone that Mike Smith is 40 years old. So they have an ability to make goalies look bad. Yep. But Vasilevsky is not Mike Smith or no. Billy Husso. <laughs> He's not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, we know who Vasilevsky is. Yes. There's no, like, like he, he is one of the best goalies in the league, the best goalie if in the league. the best, yeah. And... He's not on some sort of Cinderella run, and and no, you know we're he's, he's a mystery. He yeah, he, he's he's the best goalie in the league. You know, there's there's no getting around it. And you know, at the same time, Colorado's lost two games. Yeah, on on the road to the Stanley yep. Cup final. How impressive is that? And and they swept, arguably. I mean, okay, I'll say the best player in the league in Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's wild to me that St. Louis was the team that gave them the the hardest. I picked pushback. St. Louis in that series. I really Did thought, you, hey, it, here we are, second round. It's time for good. the upset, and St. Louis might be the team that could push them around. Nope, just yeah. rolled right over them. That was as close to up against yeah. the like yeah. the, their backs against the wall as Colorado got. Yeah. Um, and again, like it's such a roll of the dice because Colorado has not faced a team like Tampa, no. and Tampa is Tampa, and no matter who they play, Colorado could go up two nothing in. The, this series, and as we saw with, against New Tampa, York, like, like, all right, time to get to work. Exactly, <laughs> like, like that means nothing, and that's what's so scary and hard to predict about this series. And and the kind of like as a neutral observer, mm-hmm. that's what you want, yep. right? Like, this is an ideal scenario for two fans with no horse in this race. Um, I want maybe? to see Tampa lose. Yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. It's, it's hard when, when your team lost okay, the team I, that's there. I, I guess I that. don't have a horse in the race, but I hate one of the other horses. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I, I, I used w- to love, as a kid, I loved Colorado. Yeah. Um, we, we grew up in the, well, I grew up in the Joe Sackick era. Uh, that's fair. I keep getting myself in trouble tonight. I don't mean That's all right. To. No, I see, I... I, I I went to my dad had a buddy who was helping build Adam Foote's new house in Whitby, Ontario. Oh, excuse me. So I got to go meet Adam Foote, but I got all nervous and shy. Aww. I couldn't say I know. So anyway, um, 
he says to me, I got a signed picture to have. Like, he was a super nice guy. And he goes, uh, so you like the avalanche, eh? Because I legit, it wasn't just because I was going to meet him. I had an avalanche hat. That's what I was wearing that day. And my dad came and said, come on, we're going to go meet Adam Foote. I was like, sweet. So got over there and he's like, so you're an avalanche fan, eh? I said, yeah. He goes, did you like us when we were in Quebec City? And I was like, no. He kind of goes, that's all right. Nobody did. That's why we're in Colorado. <laughs> that's why we're in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's fair. Um, yeah, from kind of then on, I and I just thought the name was cool and the logo I th- always thought was awesome. And yeah, they had Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh and Peter Forsberg. Oh, and, and it only got better as time went on with Rob Blake and Ray Bork. And it was awesome. So I really liked them. Uh, and so there's still a soft spot for the Avalanche. Like if you force me to pick a team to cheer for in this one, it wouldn't be a difficult choice for me. Uh, I'll be rooting for, for Colorado, but yeah, part of that is just my spiteful anti-Tampa stance right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the mind that like, it's kind of cool either way, but I would really like to see Kale McCarr yeah. and Nate McKinnon get a cup because yeah. like a Kale McCarr in particular, like he is just so, and, and as a fan of an Ottawa Senators team that had Eric Carlson, yep. I know what it's like to watch a defenseman like this who yep. just does stupid things. Yeah. And he's that. Like he some of the things he does. Like, By the time that series was over, it was no longer McDavid versus McKinnon. It was McDavid versus McCarr. Oh yeah. That was the the marquee matchup. And he's so fun to watch. Yeah. And and then like, yeah, McKinnon's still there, right? Sure. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot about this, you know, yeah. one of the greatest players in the league. Right. Um, it'd be great to see them get a cup. And, and I have a soft spot for Nas as well. And I yeah. I'm bummed out that he's not gonna I get why everybody hates him. And in a lot of cases, some of like much of it's been earned with what he's done in the playoffs and, and this and that. I, I don't have any issue with, with people who dislike him for hockey reasons. Yeah, uh, the rest off, off the ice was just It's been a despicable. bit fucking much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm bummed that he's not playing. It sounds like he just had surgery on his thumb. It's unlikely he would be back to play. They haven't ruled it out entirely, but it's unlikely. Uh, I, you know, I'll be... I'll be pulling for Naz. I, yeah. I think it'd be cool to see. Even him. I will be as a non-Leafs fan. And, <laughs> and, and what? But I say when I say what was off, what happened on the ice was despicable. I mean the treatment of yes. Nazem Kadri by by St. Louis fans. Yeah, no, it was gross. It was awful. And and even like you know the the Binnington stuff like that. We all know what you track th- record Jordan th- Binnington. Has. Yeah, you throw a water bottle. At, grow, Come what on, the fuck's dude. wrong with you? Grow <laughs> up, a, a God-given opportunity. Shut up. Yeah. Grow up. No, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm rooting for Nazem Kadri, even if he is in the press box when this happens. Um, Nate McKinnon, uh, Gabriel Landeskog, Kale McCarr, like how can you not root for these players? Yep. Like they've, they've been right there for so long. It's nice to see them finally, again, get over it. And we've seen it before where teams slay their own dragons. And in this case, it was the second round for Colorado. Yep. And then they sail to the Stanley Cup. So... If the Leafs ever win a first round, we're in big trouble. <laughs> if ever. Anything else for this one, Shrides? No, I think... Uh, We've covered a lot of ground here today. We, we did. Yeah. We did. There's a lot going on. It's true. It's a busy time of year for the sports world. Yeah, honestly, and that's kind of awesome. Like, yep. Got baseball happening, the NBA playoffs going on. Have you been watching any of that? No, nah, I've been loosely yeah. following it. Yeah. But no. Twitter I, tells me what's Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I catch, okay, who won last night? Right. And that's it. Yeah. No, but uh, between the NBA, the NHL, MLB all running at the same time and the CFL now up and going, it's, uh, it's a sports fan's paradise. And WNBA, NWSL, it's all, it's all happening. It's true. I only have so much time in a day. I know. <laughs> Especially because you go to bed at like 630. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell people 
where they can find you. You got the pod, you got the radio show. What's happening in, in the world of Shrides? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. You can uh, listen to She's Got Game on uh, the TSN radio network, any TSN radio station across Canada. But if you miss it, you know, go to your local TSN radio website. It's all podcasted there. Um, you can listen to the Mouchoir podcast. Follow us at Mouchoir podcast on Twitter and find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can follow my somewhat lukewarm craft beer takes on uh, Instagram at craft in the capital. Uh, highly recommend all of those, but uh, especially the Mouchoir podcast. If Dude. you're here in Ottawa, it's uh, we're fun, fun people. I, and it's, 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 it's cool. The CFL is just one of those leagues that it lends itself to these community mm-hmm. shows that have a better feel sometimes than, you know, TSN does a very nice job on, on the CFL. But you like to have that local kind of grassroots feel to uh, and the Mouchoir podcast. You guys are all over the, the Red Blacks. It's it's awesome to listen to. So I uh, highly recommend everything Shrides is just uh, thrown up there. But uh, but I'm a big fan of the Mouchoir pod. So. Thank you. Uh, with that, we'll start to wind things down. I will recommend, in case you people have missed it, episode 977. John Rodenberg was in last week. And I can tell we set a we we set a record for f- most downloads ever for a first day release. Like in its first day, this show did more downloads than any other show did in its first day. Wow, we you made had quite the clip. We made a little news, and uh, and it got around a bit. Yeah. So uh, if you have missed that, I would recommend episode nine seven seven. It's been getting some attention. Like I said, at some point, AJ Jackie Beck will be here. <laughs> And late this week, Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet, he will be here. Kevin doesn't make me uh, doesn't make me guess. He he's he's legit. Uh, so we'll be here to talk wrestling with that guy. Uh, Shrides, glad you came in. Appreciate Thank you, you doing for having this. me. This is fun. We'll get out of here on that. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to us right now. For Michaela Schrider, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you all next time. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.